0: You are listening to The Interpreter, the podcast of the Eastern Sierra Interpretive Association. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Lauren Delaney Miller. We've got a special episode for you today, complete with two short interviews that each give unique perspectives on the world of rock climbing in the Eastern Sierra. In the first half of the show, I sit down with Alexa and Jimmy, ecs two seasonal climbing rangers, to talk about their work restoring trails, educating the public, and collecting useful data. In the second half, I talk with Katie Goodwin, Bishop Resident and Policy Analyst for the Access Fund, a national organization working to protect climbing access. Climbing is exploding in popularity across the country, but these folks are making sure that it does so responsibly. I hope you enjoy this episode. All right, so I am here with Alexa and Jimmy, Bishop's first ever climbing rangers. Thanks for being here, you
1: two.
2: Yeah,
0: thanks for for having us. So I'd love to hear a bit about where you're both from and how you ended up in the Eastern Sierra.
2: I guess I'll start. I actually grew up in Colorado, but shortly after college, I moved to Yosemite and got a job as a cook at the Tuolumne Grill. And I worked for six seasons in Yosemite, search and rescue for three seasons. And then I was a climbing ranger there. And that shortly led me to applying for the climbing ranger program in Bishop and moving on over to the east side. So this is my second season living here. And I feel, yeah, really grateful to be able to be with the climbing ranger program here from the start.
1: Yeah, I grew up in... Southern California and found climbing like when I was around 20 and made my first trip to Bishop that year and just couldn't stop coming back (laughs) every season until 2016 when I moved here and was working for the black sheep and then shortly after that got a job with the park service at Devil's Tower as a climbing ranger and did that for three seasons.
0: Awesome, and so like you said, you're our inaugural Climbing Rangers, and so I'm curious how this program came about. Could you tell us a little bit about its background?
1: Yeah, so the program came about in a pretty special way, and there's not, in my knowledge, another Climbing Ranger program like this where the whole community of Bishop pretty much came together. So we have all the land management agencies, including the BLM and Forest Service and LEDWP, and the City of Bishop and the Climbers Coalition They all came together with this vision of having a program to try to have this voice for the climbing community and try to make the relationships better between the city and all the land management agencies and the climbing community.
0: And so I'm curious if you could tell us a little bit about why Bishop's such a popular climbing destination and how those areas are managed by all these different land management agencies.
2: Yeah, one thing that's cool about Bishop is it is a year-round climbing destination. We are at around 4,000 feet, but directly all around us are 14,000-foot peaks. And so a lot of climbers visit here during the wintertime to go to the buttermilks or the tablelands where the happies and sads are. We also have the Owens River Gorge, which is managed by LA Department of Water and Power. And that is a really fun sport climbing destination. And then we also have these granite areas around us in the summertime and in warmer temperatures. We have Pine Creek Canyon that is anywhere from single-pitch to multi-pitch trad and sport climbing, and we have alpine climbing all around us.
0: So we talked about how popular Bishop is, but what does average visitation look like?
2: Well, our season is just through the winter, so it starts in November and it runs until May 1st. So Jimmy and I aren't here as climbing rangers during the summer, but it does seem like the bouldering areas are a really big winter destination for climbers coming from LA or the Bay Area. And due to the pandemic, we have seen a decrease in numbers this year, but last year during our first season, we would see as high as uh, 200 cars in the buttermilks on a Saturday or a Sunday. And anywhere from up to 100 cars in the Happies.
0: And so with that big numbers of visitation, what types of problems does that cause?
1: There's a lot of just like capacity with parking. Some of the times, especially in the Buttermilks, the road will get so congested with parking on either side of the road that you might not be able to get an emergency vehicle in if there was some type of medical emergency or let's say like a fire or something. You start to see more impact in the climbing areas which is like vegetation getting stomped on or just trash just because there's a lot of people. And with a lot of people, there may or may not be the amount of education that you want for an outdoor recreator.
2: Yeah, and we also see a lot of visitors not staying on trail. And also in the dispersed camping areas, we see a lot of impact because there aren't bathrooms up there and people don't know how to pack out their own waste. And another one of our biggest issues is dog poop at the climbing areas because there are no regulations for dogs to be on leashes. And so a lot of climbers will let their dog run around and their dog will go to the bathroom and they won't see where they have gone to the bathroom. And so they will just leave it in the climbing areas or they will bag the dog poop and leave it on the trail or in the parking lot for them to get later on and then they forget about it. So that is definitely one of our biggest impacts that we see.
0: Great. So I'd love to hear what some of the programs that you're working on now, you mentioned education and trail projects. Are those kind of your two pillars of this position?
1: Yeah, I would say I think stewardship, education, and outreach are kind of like the three main pillars.
2: That's what I would say too.
1: So right now we had a couple trail projects, one in the Owens River. And one in Dale's Camp by the Buttermilks, which is great because that's kind of deteriorating and falling into the river. (laughs) Hasn't really been an official trail over the years.
2: Yeah, I think one thing that's really exciting about working up in the Buttermilks is the Access Fund has a stewardship team and they are going to come work on the project with us at the beginning of April. And that's a partnership that we're hoping to continue every season. The Access Fund comes out to help us improve a trail.
0: And so can you tell me a little bit more about what this trail improvement looks like? I'm curious what a deteriorating trail might look like, how you guys pick your projects, and then what the steps are to making that an improved resource for climbers.
2: For one of our day-to-day duties, we do foot patrols. So that's us walking around, visiting climbers, visiting all the different climbing areas and talking to climbers. And someone in the climbing community specifically brought this approach trail up to our attention. And so we visited it with someone who builds trails for the forest service. And basically it's a very steep trail where silt is just falling down into the river and there are not any rocks or anything to gain like structure or stabilization in it. And you can't really like step up. You kind of just fall up the trail because it's so steep. It's also not a very huge trail. I think the area that we are going to be improving is not more than 200 feet in length. And so that seemed like a really good area to begin where we can help protect the resource so there's no more silt falling down into the water and then also We can take down trees that are nearby and rocks that are nearby and just do basic trail maintenance to kind of make steps just to help decrease that erosion.
1: Yeah, I wish we could show you guys pictures, but when we went to go visit with the Forest Service, you could see the roots of another tree that they're being uprooted. So that's damaging the tree. And also now that tree can't hold in that soil. So with us being able to maintain this trail, it'll help save the trees, help save the soil, and it'll just... Be overall better for the climbing.
0: Awesome. And so I imagine that some of your educational components have been put on hold a bit because of the pandemic, but I know that you went on a really cool tour of climbing gyms last year. Could you tell me a little bit about that?
2: Yeah. So last year we got to do some gym to crag presentations in LA and around the Bay Area. And basically we're trying to educate newer climbers on how to minimize their impact when they're coming to visit Bishop but we made it pretty fun and we made it a climbing trivia that was actually sponsored by Patagonia and so we had teams and first second and third place would win Patagonia gear
1: yeah and we had really good turnout cuz as you can imagine this has been done in the past we just figured this would be kind of more interactive instead of just us talking to them death
0: that sounds really cool. And so I know you guys have been working on these projects to improve the climbing areas, but I'm wondering how climbers can be better stewards. And if you had any tips for newer climbers or maybe people who aren't used to this type of environment we have over here in the Eastern Sierra.
1: Yeah, I could think of a couple things. Alexa mentioned waste earlier, way back when when Bishop wasn't as popular and we didn't have bathrooms. You could just dig a cat hole in the desert and then leave it alone and bury it. But right now, if everyone were to do that, there would just be poop everywhere and everyone's dogs would just dig it back up. So we can't do that anymore. So we really recommend just using the bathrooms that are provided. And if you can't, we do have wag bags.
2: Yeah, and one thing that comes to mind is that everyone has an impact, whether you're newer to climbing or you have lived here for a long time. And with this huge increase in climbers in recent years in the Bishop area, it's not just a few local people Now, there are hundreds of climbers visiting here every weekend. Also, it's very helpful to stay on trail. There are really nice delineated trails in the Buttermilks and in the Happies area. And so we really encourage people to try to stay on trail, not cut corners. Don't crush the brush. I'm sure you've seen the stickers that we hand out. And that includes putting your belongings on brush, tying your dog up to the brush. Also, being careful of where you're parking, especially in dispersed camping, don't park on the brush pick up all of your trash, and please pick up after your dog.
1: Yeah, I wanted to add on to Alexa's point that everyone has an impact. That doesn't mean it has to be a negative impact. You could have a positive impact on the climbing area as well. If you've been here and you've climbed here a bunch, you probably know, okay, hey, there's some trash around or there's some tape here. Let me pick it up and so that people see that you're picking up trash. And that will also make them clean up after themselves. Or if you see something going on, like someone laid their pad on brush, don't be afraid to talk to them.
2: I think it's also important to remember that these public lands are not just for climbers. We have a lot of other recreational users, and they're also powerful areas of cultural significance to the Paiute tribes and their ancestors. And so I think it's important for us to remember that and respect these areas and lessen our impact.
0: Awesome. Was there anything else that you guys wanted to add about the Climbing Ranger program or things that you were looking forward to being able to work on?
2: One thing I would add is due to the pandemic, we also weren't able to do this program this year, but we normally do Climber Coffee, which is usually every Sunday, maybe Saturday and Sunday, alternating between the different climbing areas. And that is a great place for climbers to come. You get free coffee, you can meet other people in the community, and you can talk about how to lessen your impact with us. But we are definitely hoping to have Climber Coffee again next year. So it
0: sounds like hopefully we'll see you back here in the fall.
2: Yeah, sounds good. All
0: right. Thank you guys so much for talking to me today.
1: Yeah, thank you, Lauren.
0: Hi, Katie. Thanks so much for being here today. I'm really excited to get to talk to you.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me, Lauren.
0: Well, I'd like to start with just a bit of your background and your story. I'm curious uh, what your connection to the Eastern Sierra is like and maybe some of the background behind that and what it looks like for you now.
3: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I own a home in Bishop now, but I think like a lot of climbers, um, I just spent years traveling to visit the east side of the Sierra, um, climbing and camping and just exploring the mountains. Um And finally, I decided to make the full-time move. Uh, I work for Access Fund, which is a national-level climbing nonprofit, and I'm our California regional director. So in a lot of ways, it also made sense for me to be more centrally located in California and near a lot of the climbing resources that I'm working on.
0: Awesome. Well, maybe just tell us a little bit about the Access Fund and maybe a little bit about what it looks like on a national level and then also what that looks like in
3: California. Yes. Yeah, so as I mentioned, we are a national level nonprofit focused on um, preserving and conserving rock climbing access. We are also a certified land trust, so we can purchase land that has rock climbing on it um, to preserve access, which I think is a really neat program. And then we spend a lot of time um, developing education for climbers, kind of more like a leave no trace type principles called the climbers pact. So encouraging climbers um, to recreate responsibly outdoors. Yeah. So we spend a lot of time putting out educational information, like I said, trying to keep climbers, you know, behaving well in outdoor spaces. And then where I work a lot is with federal land managers. So there's a lot of climbing in the United States that exists on public land. So Forest Service land, National Park Service land, BLM, state land, um, county-owned areas, and a lot of times these areas need to develop management plans, look at what environmental impacts climbing and trails and access to these areas may have. And so that is where I spend a lot of my time is working with uh, land managers to interface and both kind of connect climbers with land managers, help educate on the use patterns of climbers, and then really getting down in the in the down and dirty of, of public land planning finding money to pay for things like toilets, trail work, um, and a lot of things like that. And I also, so I have two roles with the access fund. I'm our policy analyst uh, nationwide. So that would be working on all that public lands access stuff. And then I'm our California regional director, which looks a lot more um, at supporting all of our grassroots local organizations. We have, I believe over 11 local climbing organizations throughout California So just supporting them in fundraising initiatives, setting up stewardship events, um, helping them, you know, collaborate and negotiate with land managers, um, things like that. Of course, doing a lot of gym outreach uh, outside of COVID times, of course, and then just trying to help be support for anything that crops up in California, including private land acquisition work.
0: That is really cool. Yeah, it seems like the Eastern Sierra is uh, a fairly unique climbing area in that there's multiple land management agencies, you know, different than climbing in a place like Yosemite, where you're dealing solely with the National Park Service. On the Eastern Sierra, you've got all sorts of things going on. And I imagine that's one of the challenges um, of your work here on the east side.
3: Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. So. Some people may not know that, but I think a lot of us who live on the east side are very aware that, you know, there's a large amount of land that's managed by Forest Service, which would be up by the Buttermilk, Pine Creek area, all of the Sierra Nevada mountains. And then we have BLM, which is overseeing areas like the Volcanic Tablelands, which is a really popular bouldering area, of course, um, Alabama Hills. And then we have Los Angeles Department of Water and Power, which, in my opinion, is a very unique situation and and they um, own and manage, you know, the Owens River Gorge area, which is a very popular sport climbing area. So it's a really dynamic uh, landscape here that we're working within. And it is, uh, you know, it's a mix of public and private because technically LADWP is private land. Um, so it's it keeps us on our toes. And I think everyone who lives here is always trying to figure out the best way to coordinate and collaborate across these different agencies.
0: Awesome. So what types of collaborations do you have going on now? I'd like to hear a little bit about some of the projects that you guys have been working on recently
3: sure so i would say our our best and strongest partner of course is the bishop area climbers coalition which is um, a really neat local organization here in bishop it's local climbers who've come together they form their own 501c3 nonprofit, Um, and so i partner a lot with uh, the bacc as they're called to focus on really specific projects here related to climbing access and so some of the ones that are happening currently is we wor- we've we been working with the BACC over the last year. We were able to secure funding through a grant process to pay to do an economic impact survey, uh, looking at what kind of money do visiting climbers bring into our really rural economy here. And that's a really exciting project because we've gotten all of the data um, and we're pulling together... The county, the city of Bishop, federal land managers, LADWP, a bunch of our local nonprofit partners. Um, actually, next week to do kind of a roundtable discussion and and really look at what kind of input is coming from visiting climbers in the area, and also collecting data on, you know, how many climbers are actually coming to Bishop. So that's a pretty exciting project, and. Uh, You know, we continue to have ongoing discussions and conversations with Los Angeles Department of Water and Power, um, you know, how we can support them and still allow climbing in there. So looking at parking issues, hopefully getting more kiosks in, toilet issues, et cetera, like that. Um, And then finally, another project we've got kind of ongoing is just getting porta potties up in Pine Creek every year. Um, and that sounds maybe not the hugest deal, but it took me over three years to get permission to even put in porta potties. And now we have a standing agreement. And so that's a neat one because we can really help protect the watershed in the summer up there during um, the really high climbing season. So those are a few examples of things we've got going on.
0: Awesome. And then what do you think are some of the challenges that are facing? let's say, the climbing community or the maybe the larger outdoor recreation community that's specific to the Eastern Sierra?
3: Yeah. So, you know, in some ways, it's not necessarily just a specific problem to the Eastern Sierra, but I think it's something we're dealing with across California and really across the United States is kind of a a twofold situation where we're seeing ever increasing numbers of uh, people coming outdoors to recreate, which is wonderful. And I think everyone's noted, especially since COVID and even higher, higher number of people, um, you know, escaping the cities, coming out to rural areas like the Eastern Sierra to camp and fish and climb. Um, And then the second issue is that we don't really have the infrastructure set up to handle the number of people that are now visiting the Eastern Sierra. So I would say that is across the board, um, you know, not just specific to the climbing community. And the challenge that, you know, with having a lack of infrastructure is then we see negative impacts, right? there's no trash cans. So just trash is being left out and there's not enough, you know, toilets out there. So we're having human waste issues and, you know, it it goes on and on. There's more cars showing up to areas that aren't set up for that amount of parking, Um, dispersed camping impacts, you know, unattended fire impacts. I know everyone's really worried about fire. So those are issues, you know, I know we're seeing here in the Eastern Sierra and we see lots of places and the challenge with that is a lot of these agencies specifically the forest service um is is woefully underfunded and they just don't have the staff and resources to address in a expedient manner the impacts we're seeing so on the back end, you know, I also through Access Fund, we do a lot of state and federal level lobbying for for public land bills and funding bills that hopefully will start bringing more funding to, you know, our Forest Service districts here, uh, the BLM, and and start really trying to address these projects in a big and and sustainable, meaningful way.
0: Great, thank you. Um, and I'd like to go back. You mentioned the Climbers Pact. And I'd like mm-hmm. to hear a little bit about that. Um I feel like people are really looking for guidance especially as you said, you know, a lot more people are getting into outdoor recreation which we love to see, but at the same time they don't necessarily have all this education about how to do that. So I'm curious what's in that Climbers Pact and what the Access Fund has really been promoting in terms of great stewardship and how to be a better steward of the land.
3: Yeah, that's a great question. So the Climbers Pact Uh, lives on our Access Fund website. If anyone ever wants to check it out, Um, we've created a lot of great kind of infographics and easy to digest information. And the Climbers Pact is really uh, a climbing specific based, similar to Leave No Trace. So if people are familiar with the Leave No Trace organization, they're wonderful. They do a great job spreading the word about, you know, when you're outside recreating, pack your trash out, you know, try and stay on the trails. Don't take things that you shouldn't like rocks and plants and other things like that. And so a lot of those um, tenants from Leave No Trace are really applied to climbing, but we've also developed more climbing specific ones. So also talking about seasonal wildlife closures, like say there's a sensitive raptor in the area. So knowing to look look for a land management statements on areas that might be closed certain types of the year, um, staying on trail, keeping your dog on a leash. Uh, we spend actually a lot of time talking about how climbers can deal with um, their poop. So lots of areas don't have toilets. And so we really are promoting the use of wag bags and having people pack their own waste out and, and you know, moving past even encouraging people to bury it because it's just becoming a critical mass issues. So those are some examples of it. And we have some neat things online. You can review it and sign the pact and and um, get some little awards for that. And then we also take that information and share it out. We go into the cities and go to big gyms and we do what we would call like gym to crag type presentations. So really helping educate people who have been maybe learned how to climb in the gym is a more common thing these days. And then say they live in San Francisco and they've heard of Bishop and they really want to come Boulder and Bishop for the weekend. We try and kind of target and talk to them before they come to Bishop and just explain, you know, for some people it might be the first time they've even camped outdoors and and just a lot of the basics that some people may take for granted. Uh, We spend a lot of time trying to help educate climbers on that.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I know that for me, my first time camping was also on my first climbing trip after learning how to climb in the gym, Um, which makes me curious a little bit more about your background. And um, are you from California originally?
3: Uh, I'm actually from Colorado. Uh, I grew up in a really rural area called Bailey, Colorado, um, up in the the Rocky Mountain there, and spent uh, through college in Colorado. And then I actually spent over seven years up in Alaska and did a graduate program up there um, with Alaska Pacific University and Denali National Park Service. And so I actually got my start in climbing conservation by doing a full study for the National Park Service on Denali looking at how they can better dispose human waste on Denali as people climb, you know, North America's tallest glacier and so I've spent a lot of time looking at climber impacts and even have a master's in it and you know eventually to be honest I loved Alaska but I missed the sunshine and so I found myself I found a job in California and landed here about, that's been almost seven years again. And I just love the Sierra granite and the sunshine and the beautiful mountains we have here. So um, that's a little bit of my background, how I kind of ended up in California and lucky to make Bishop my home now.
0: Awesome. And so what type of outdoor recreationist are you? What is your favorite type of climbing? Do you have some favorite Eastern Sierra spots?
3: Yeah, so I do climb a lot, but I also find myself um, I do a lot of trail running and I'm actually even doing the high Sierra Ultra here in a few weeks. So I've mostly actually lately been focusing my time on on running. I love that it can get you back into these high mountain places in the summer. Uh, but I also climb quite a bit and, and traditionally I prefer trad climbing. I spend a lot of time up in Pine Creek, I think is one of my favorite local spots. And then of course, in the summer, um, going up into the High Sierra and and scrambling around on all the wonderful peaks we have from the Whitney Portal Zone all the way up into Tuolumne. So we're just, it's endless opportunities here for climbing, I think.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I would say so. Uh, Well, I guess I was thinking of just wrapping up by talking about how climbers can get involved. We talked about the Climbers Pact and going and signing that on the Access Fund website. But if climbers are looking to get their hands dirty and get involved in the Access Fund or another local climbing organization, where do you recommend that they start?
3: Yes. Yeah, so as I mentioned before, of course, here in the Eastern Sierra, we have the Bishop Area Climbers Coalition. So I really encourage local climbers or visiting climbers um, to check out their website. They have a lot of great local information on there and do a really good job of helping educate and promote you know, anything that's happening locally. So that's a good place to start. And then You know, with Access Fund, we have a couple different things. So, like you said, check out the Climbers Pact. Uh, We also run through our stewardship program. We run something called Adopt a Crag. So, climbers may not always realize this, but if there's an area you really want to set up a stewardship event, we actually have an application you can put in, and we can help you organize it. So, even if it's something as simple as you you saw a lot of trash, um, you know, up around the buttermilk zone, and you just like want to help organize people to do a trash pickup day, we help kind of coordinate that. We get volunteer forms out and that sort of thing. So that's another neat resource we have would be the Adopt-A-Crag. And then, you know, on occasion we send out things like action alerts if there's local management plans going on. and, And, you know, a lot of climbers maybe are interested, but don't fully know how to engage. We send a lot of information out about how to engage easily, you know, in, in different processes to help advocate for climbing. So those are a couple, uh, great places to start.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I imagine that there's times, maybe not recently on the East side, but all around California and the country where climbers coming together to sign a petition or to send letters to their representatives might be one of the key factors, um, and to help preserving some of our climbing areas.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So we have those advocacy tools as well. So, I guess I'll clarify that. If if you're interested in that, you just go to our Access Fund site and you just join our email list. And then we don't spam people. We are really targeted. We usually send very regionally specific things. So if you just want to be kept up to speed, um, that's a good, great place to start. And we, of course, always want to share out things that our local partners are doing too. So we'll reshare things from BACC and other other partners in the area.
0: Awesome. Um, Was there anything else you wanted to add about climbing on the East side or anything that the access fund have been up to?
3: That's a great question. Uh, You know, I feel just really fortunate to live here. And I think what's really special about Bishop is we have a lot of very passionate local advocates. So we have a lot of people who are really high end climbers and have decided to make Bishop or or the Eastern Sierra their full-time home. And so, I just want to say I really love the community here, and there's a lot of resources becoming available to really protect our, our outdoor spaces. So I more just want to say thanks to my local community for, for everyone like being here and, and stepping up. Awesome.
0: Uh, well, thank you so much, Katie. It's been really great being able to sit down and talk to you today. Thank you, Lauren. Thanks to Alexa, Jimmy, and Katie for being here today. You can find out more about our Climbing Ranger program at sierraforever.org and about the Access Fund at accessfund.org. This podcast is a production of the Eastern Sierra Interpretive Association, partnering with the Forest Service to protect the Sierra Nevada for over 50 years. To learn more about our organization and to support programs like this podcast through annual memberships, visit sierraforever.org. Until next time, I'm Lauren Delaney Miller.